Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Here are your hosts, Jonathan Von Tobel and Kelly Bidlin. What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is the Friday edition Hardwood Handicappers. We are, of course, live getting ready for the NBA Finals game number four on the horizon. Kelly Bidlin is here. You have a smile on your face that tells me that, I don't know, there are technical issues once again. What's up? What's up, man? (laughs) A little bit, but it's okay. We'll keep we keep rolling. We keep rolling. <laughs> we just, you know, we got to peel back the curtain, man. It's it's we, hey, we record these remotely. And we rely on internet strength sometimes for these to be recorded, and it's great when we have pre we have pre pod discussions that last for 10, 15 minutes without any issues whatsoever. And as soon as you go to start the pod, your voice your mic goes out or your, your internet goes out. That's right for a, for a quick bleep. So yeah, welcome in. <laughs> so we have the finals, uh, game four, three and a half to spread in favor of the Denver Nuggets. Total, uh, we'll call it back up to 211. So 210 and a half was the bottomed out part. And I, I think the market's getting this right and just saying like, eh, like, I don't know if we're going to get any further past 210 and a half. A couple of spots hanging up those 211. So this is probably going to be right about where we float around for the rest of the day. There's a 211 and a half out there. We can get to that uh, in a little bit more. Go ahead. I see a couple of those. Two yeah. eleven and a half. So yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, and I think that's. Yeah, I think that's kind of where we should be here at this point, right? Like mm-hmm. two ten and a half is is about an eight and a half point adjustment from where we were at the beginning of the series. Remember that thing opened up two nineteen for game one, and let, since we're talking about it, let's start here because we talked a little bit about this yesterday. Yeah. on the pod, but we can expand on this a little bit more, and. One of the things that really we we hung out with or we really hung on to yesterday was talking about the tempo and the pace and mm-hmm. how that really did change things. But I would caution anybody to look at this and go, oh, okay, well, it's a slow pace game uh, that let's keep betting these things under. When you get an adjustment like this, all of a sudden now you have to look at everything else because the tempo was so freaking slow in this series where you're like, eh, you know, even outlier performances, you're either barely going to get over the total like in game two. Or if one of them has a really good performance, you're still going to come under just like in game three. But here, Kelly, where we're down to two ten and a half in some spots, I, I think now you look at this and go, all right, like this is kind of the point where maybe we're back to game two, where it's like, ah, it's too much of an adjustment. Maybe yes. we've got this thing over. And I think that's probably the way that you're going to do it. I have a different way to go about this. I'll tell you that in a second. Okay. But what do you think of this overall? No, I, th- I think you're hitting it right on the head, man, where it's, it's in, I don't, do you find it odd? Like I, we've seen throughout these playoffs, some of these adjustments, whether they're side or total, to be a little odd. The the side has not surprised me a single game in this series. The total, though, I mean, we've hit on it every game, and yeah, I think from from where we're at, I mean, like you said, from where we started at game one, and then where we're even at from game three to game four here, it just feels it feels pretty big of an adjustment, and and. 
especially when we know that both, I mean, both teams collectively shot about 30% from three last game. Like there is, we talk, like you said, we hit on a bunch yesterday, but when we're talking tempo shooting percentages, like there's a lot that I think could change that would only change to benefit an over bet in, in, yeah. in the, in this, in this situation. So, um, over or pass for me, and I might end up betting it before, before the game, uh, starts here. And I don't know, either, either that, or I'm going to jump or I'm going to look for it to jump in live on the over, but man, as this thing's starting to climb, I might just jump in on a two ten and a half while they're still out there. So I think so. the one thing that I think would burn you if you're betting this game over is Miami in that Miami doesn't perform well offensively and they don't carry their end of the bargain. Kind of like what we've seen a little bit in the series yeah. in the two games that went under. And then you go under the total because one of the constants that I think there's, I always use that term constants, right? And I think there's two of them in this series. The first is the pace. We talked about that, you know, how slow this series has been, you know, averaging about just under 90 possessions per game. The other constant here, Kelly, has been that the Nuggets offense has been kick ass. Yeah. Like this is this has been an offense that has pretty much figured almost everything it wants. It's figured it out. The only thing that hasn't happened for the Nuggets, think about this. They have two games in which they've shot under 30%, and still mm-hmm. their offensive rating for the series is just under 120 at 119.2 or 3. This has been an offense that has figured out every aspect of what it wants to do. When it's man-to-man that they're facing, when it's zone that they're facing, it was brilliant watching. You know, I went back and rewatched a little bit of it. And when you look at the way they handled the zone this time around in game three, so instead of Jokic operating at the free throw line, they switched it up. Jokic also all of a sudden goes to the low block. And then what happens? All of a sudden, then you slant the floor, right? I, I did it to the wrong camera. You slant the floor. And all of a sudden, you get all of the coverage kind of leaning toward one way. So what happens? Then you get Christian Brown cutting to the basket when one guy has to take care of two spots on the floor. You yep. get you get multiple cuts where Jeff Green cuts baseline that causes Duncan Robinson to go to the baseline. And then it opens up another cutting lane for Christian Brown. And that's where you hit him. Like there's, there's so many different ways that the nuggets have done this thing in the half court offensive rating of 104.5, you know, like they're, I think that they have figured out what they want to do offensively and even go back to game one, you know, people would look at game one and go, well, they only had an offensive rating of 112. Yeah. But in the first half, they had an offensive rating of 131. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they really got out of their game there in the second half. We have a vast majority of this series telling us that the Nuggets know what they're doing offensively. So for me, instead of betting the game over, Kelly, I actually bet Denver's team total over. Yeah, 106 and a half, you know what I mean? Minus 115 is where you can find it. I think that's the way to do it because I have a lot of confidence that Denver knows what they're doing on offense. The question becomes when you're talking about betting the game over is, is Miami going to carry their end of the bargain? Are they going to shoot again? Are they going to have these outlier offensive performances and I actually really believe in Denver tonight, so I don't think that's going to be the case. But that, that's how I that's how I bet into it here. Instead of betting the game over, I went team total over 106.5 for Denver. Yeah, I like it. Um, I think that that's, uh, that's the higher floor bet for sure. I think if you're t- yeah. talking about that total, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think the... Actually, let me rephrase that because I think you're I think you're onto something there. So actually, if I was going to play the game total, what I'd probably do is actually look at some alts. Like I, you could play that and then go go on some of the alt overs. I think I think that's what Drew Dinzik actually told me he was doing with this game is he he played a couple like like an alt over two nineteen and a half mm. because then you're catching if he if the Heat do have one of the one of their big hot shooting games right combine that with the consistency you've gotten from the Denver side 
then you're probably sailing over this this total. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think both you guys, uh, the, the, I think those make a lot of sense. I, I mean, and, and, you know, Nuggets, right? There's even for them, and you kind of hit on it. We've kind of hit on, it, but there's a lot of growth room for growth even for on that on that side. I mean, the Bro. three point shooting percentage wise has not been great. Um, you know, basically through through all three games. And then, like, I mean, we talk, we've talked about him a lot because I've made some dumb bets on him. But, like, you know, like Michael Porter Jr. has been non-existent in this series mm-hmm. so far. You know what I mean? He, if that guy heats up, uh, you know, who knows what this offense starts to look like. I mean, he, is, he has been basically completely absent for these first three games. Um, so, yeah, I like, I like that, man. I, I do think there is – I think there's different ways to attack that total, you know, team total or, or the total over tonight. Um, I, I think those are probably the smarter – the smartest pregame bets for this game tonight. I, sidewise pregame, I don't. I, I really, I don't have much of a feel. The, to me, this is for everything we've seen the Miami Heat the past two months in this postseason, or however long it's been. Um, man, it really has. It's been about two months, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it yep. How so long it is? Long, so April fifteenth, fourteenth, whatever. It yeah, was, yeah, I think that's what it was. That's what it started. So, from what you've seen out of Miami Heat for the past two months, I mean, geez, if you think there's one more. One more drop of drop of juice left in that bottle that you can squeeze out. It's gotta come tonight. Like like it has to, or else this thing is done and dusted. And and we're probably talking uh as Monday the 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 finality of the gentleman's sweep for the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I, and I, I think really I alluded to it yesterday, part of my thinking, because you mentioned the side. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just look, I believe in Denver. I think they are what they've shown in two of the three games is the legitimate version. And even in game two, when they lost their offensive rating was incredible. They know what they're doing on offense, their defense, when their communication is sound, it's not elite, but it's not going to be caught out of position a bunch. They're going to be there. Jokic in game three showed an ability to at least get in the way of a lot of different shots within four feet of the basket. You know, there's a couple of times where he's caught out of position and sure there's a couple of, you know, Look, there was one, I don't know if you saw this highlight reel that was being thrown around on Twitter the other day, but it was like all of Jokic's like good defensive plays. One of them was the play, I don't know if you remember, it's early, I think, first or second quarter where Bam Adebayo actually catches the ball in a low block and kind of jukes him and gets right by him on the baseline. But Jokic, because he's so big, Bam has to go for like a reverse layup right. as opposed, yeah. you know what I mean? And he, <laughs> and, he, and he muffs it and he doesn't get it. And people are like, look, this, this, I was like, eh. He looked like he was caught in the stick in the butt. There, I will say, there's better defensive moments to point to. I will say for Nikola Jokic in that game than that one. But overall, yeah, that, that specific he's play, well. that specific play is just more a combination of Jokic being a massive dude and right. uh, and Bam not exactly having the length to be able to finish around a guy like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think, like going back to what we talked about, like it's the same philosophy for me, Kelly. Right. We go back to the Phoenix series. What was the strategy? Every road game, I don't care. They were underdogs. Money line, money line, money line. Got one of those. What was the strategy for me in the Lakers series? Money line on the road, money line on the road. There were plus prices there. And here I am again. You know, I, I, I very much push back. I think I brought this up to you. I can't remember or not. But I very much push back. There's a lot of like, hey, Denver's a different team on the road. Their net rating on the road is four points better than the second place team in terms yeah. of net rating on the road in the postseason. Boom. They've been really good. I, I think we're kind of overblowing this. And the other part of it too is, when you say they're not the same team on the road, they had to face two historic performances from Devin Booker in, in games three and four in Phoenix 
to stave them off. Again, it's very similar to this Miami series where that constant was still their offense was great. It's just that Devin Booker didn't miss any, what, what, only two shots essentially the entire time. I really believe in this Denver team. So I have not bet the side yet. Uh, my foe support of them is on the team total over, but we are saying this. There's a couple of spots that have the underdog juiced. So like minus 115, if you want to take three and a half, if it dips, if it gets like three, we'll see if it gets to two and a half because the people are going to be playing the zigzag today. If it gets to two and a half for sure, I'll be in, but I'll, I'll probably find myself on Denver money line at some point too. Okay. I like it. Yeah. The only, the only thing I've bet so far is Jimmy Butler over points and rebounds. That was yeah. 32 and a half. And that's just, it, it, it's a desperation play. I mean, I mean, it, it's just the spot. It's the, it's the, I mean, I mean, really looking at what they've done and where they've struggled at this whole series, we've talked about, um, the, at the rim struggles and in the paint struggles for the Miami heat. I don't know about you JVT, but it's just, for me, it's pretty simple. And it's kind of, it's kind of been this way throughout the entire postseason. but it's, it's, if Jimmy Butler isn't scoring and it isn't, isn't scoring at the free throw line, it, it, you've eliminated a big part of your offense in a way that you could beat teams. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I mean, really the, the bulk of their offense is that in three point shooting, right? So it's, if you're not getting either one, which they haven't been, uh, in a couple of these games, like you have no chance. So I, I would expect to see, especially after all the, look, we didn't talk about it on here, but all the like effort talk after game three for the Miami heat and like the out rebounding and everything. I, Jimmy Butler, I would think is playing as many minutes as he possibly can tonight. And that has to be their sole fo- their focus on offense is Jimmy Butler. Uh, we're going to do everything he can to free you up at least to get downhill and try to make some plays at the rim, get fouled, go to the line, whatever. But that's I, that. I, I think that just it, somehow it, it, you're going to see an aggressive Jimmy Butler uh, in that sense tonight. So I do like that. I you know even I like it. I don't love it. But the only reason I don't love it, JVT, is just because I think we're still right with with there are. I think there's more of an injury thing going on with Jimmy Butler yep. than, than than we know, or frankly, the the Heat are willing to tell anybody right now as they should. It's it's the thing that we've saying I've been saying on this podcast for a while. I just don't think he's healthy. You yeah. know, enough, enough with the nonsense about like, oh, not ready for the moment or whatever. No, he's I don't he twisted his ankle ninety degrees and continued to play on it after taking right. just one game off. That's an injury that keeps a guy out for a long time. So look, he quietly had a pretty good game. Like yeah. the the, yeah. the key the thing is in this series, this is the big one, and you hit on it. We'll put a number behind it. Through three games in this series, Jimmy Butler has a grand total of eleven free throw attempts. That's that's not something that Jimmy Butler should should be like if he's at his prime if he's doing well that's not something that should happen only I mean, eleven they, through they three need games that number from him on a nightly basis yep like, absolutely I, I mean it can't be over a course of three games I, I think the other thing that could play the other thing that I, I found this really a really interesting really interesting stat from Cooper Moorhead which I think kind of plays into backs up your handicap a bit tonight and back and backs up mine maybe even a little bit is the the percentage of heavily contested three-point field goal attempts by the Miami Heat yeah. uh, throughout this series. Game one, 48.7%. Game two, 62.8%. Game three, 71.4% of their three-point uh, attempts are logged in as heavily contested. So they're not getting no easy open looks. And Denver obviously making more, more of a concerted effort to get out to the perimeter and guard that. So does that possibly... You know, for you, obviously the team total, uh, you know, that, that mm-hmm. you know, when we talked about the over in the te- versus the team total, that maybe makes more sense for the team so- total side of things. 
But on the Miami offensive side of things, does that maybe open up some things down in the paint or driving to the basket a little bit more if that if that defense is kind of stretching out to close out more on the perimeter? That's a possibility. So I think that's that's all. I, I'm not saying that's a that's a complete basis for my, my my handicap on that prop tonight, but it definitely plays into it. No, it does, but I, uh, I think it's and I think it's intentional for Denver. You know, if yeah. you look at Game Two, for example, one of the things that if you if you go back and watch, and some of the guys even said spoke to it, they were over helping defensively, mm-hmm. and like you don't you <clears throat> excuse me, you don't need to do that. You can respect Miami shooters. But if you're going to overhelp on times, especially like if it's like Jimmy Butler around the free throw line area, well, Butler's just going to swing it to the left wing and he's going to hit a shot. So like right. you, you've got to be able to kind of stay home and contest with intent as opposed to just kind of like hedging half and then having to sprint back out to a shooter. So I think it's intentional. I mean, I, I brought up the stat before the finals, Kelly. Denver gave up of the playoff teams that had played multiple playoff series. Denver had allowed the fewest wide open three-point attempts because like that's a thing. We're not going to get yeah. beat from beyond the arc. We can't do that. Go out and make sure that if you're going to, you know, give some help, give it intentionally, but overall, stay home. And I think that's part of the thing that Denver's done really well here. I, yeah, and I also think, just to build on that, I think I think that they're, you know, I don't want to say it's cocky, but I think, I think they're just Denver's confident enough in themselves to know that, hey, look, if you're going to beat us, that's the way you're going to have to beat us, right? It's, yeah. You're going to have to shoot pure from three, and you're going to have to do it for four games. You know what I mean? For You know, to really take us out in this, out in this series. So, I, I think they're – we really haven't seen it because I wouldn't even class – what did Jimmy have, 28 last game? I'm not even going to classify that as a big Jimmy Butler game because he said – right, like you said, it was kind of quiet. It was A lot of it was kind of late. Um, but it's – I think Denver – I think Denver could live with a Jimmy Butler big game. Like, I think they're confident enough sure. with that. As long as they're not getting buried three ball after three ball, I don't think they really care if Jimmy Butler goes off, you know, making twos and stuff like that. So – I mean. I, and I think you're seeing that, right? Like we're like we're talking, like Game you three. just broke down, right, man? You're yep. you're contesting everything out in the perimeter. Who cares what Jimmy Butler scores thirty? Yep. And game three led to a double digit win. It's exactly mm-hmm. what happened. Uh, all right, really quick, let's take a break. Uh, on the other side, I want to throw some player props at Kelly. We'll get to a version of that. We'll see who to buy low on potentially. I thought there was kind of a sneaky player prop angle to discuss for one Miami Heat player. And uh, we'll wrap it up. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode because we're getting ready for NBA Finals Game 4 tonight out there in South Beach. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Kelly, buying low on, you mentioned it, Michael Porter Jr. I think it's hard not to at this point. <laughs> I, I, 
I, I know you've been burned. I know you've been burned by it, but at the yeah. very least, okay, how about this? So you can go points because his point total prop is pretty low. It's like a 10 and a half now shaded to the over at minus 125. Um, for Michael Porter Jr., it's pretty low given where he was at the beginning of the series. Yep. How about over this? Is, you're paying a price, but I think this is a, a price that is actually worth playing at such a high price. Over one and a half made threes at minus 175 because I think there is going to be an intent of getting Michael Porter Jr. going. I, I think there is going to be plays drawn up for him to get looks. They desperately need, because it's not just a Michael Porter Jr. thing either, Kelly. It is a, we need three-point shots to go down. Like, right, yes, we're, yeah. we're up 2-1, but we have not shot the ball particularly well. This has been an aspect of our game that has been missing. We need to get this going. And I think Michael Porter Jr. is front and center there. I would not be surprised. And I know in the last game, let me double check to see exactly the number. Do you remember the number of attempts that he had the last game overall? Uh, I want to uh, say it was seven. He's seven overall and only two from three-point yeah. range. That's got to go up. And I think that we're going to see a lot of, at the very least, attempts for Michael Porter Jr. Thus, I think even at minus 175 over one and a half would be something worth looking at. It's interesting. I think, I think I'd think i rather... Okay, stay with me here. I think I, if I were going to play it, I'd play the points instead of that mm-hmm. only because I'm a little concerned with how they handled him in that second half. I mean, it was... I mean, it was what he basically played... I, they're not going to mess with that starting rotation. As much as what I'm about to say here, Denver's not messing with their starting lineup. I, so he's there. He's starting the game and he's starting the third quarter. But he really didn't see much of the court the rest of that game. We, I, I think we've we've gotten to the point with Michael Porter Jr. where that that's a concern. To me, I was still betting at that last game, JVT, because, again, that number had gone down. In, in, in the, what did I play? The double-double mm-hmm. price had gotten so much bigger. Um, that I thought it was worth a play. Same it's along the same lines of your, th- of your thinking, but it was, I don't know, man, like after last game, I really don't know if they care. I really don't know how much they care about him on the court or not, especially when you get a Christian Brown that comes out there and like plays, da- plays damn well at the end of that game. I, I just, I, I think he's going to be in there for those, st- those starting, the starting rotation stretches, the starting lineup stretches. Outside of that, at this point, I just don't, I don't think I can guarantee anything with Porter Jr. So I, my, my point with that is, instead of paying a minus 175, I'd rather play play the point total over because of, okay, if, if, if you're right and he hits a couple things early and actually ends up playing a lot, then he should still get over that, over that point total instead of what if he barely plays, hits one three, and then he's sitting on the bench for most of the rest of the game. That minus 175, you're paying a, a pretty big price there. Yeah. I, and I also think, too, what's what's interesting about the Christian Brown and Michael Porter Jr. dynamic is I think a lot of people are viewing it as my, Michael Malone thinks Michael Porter Jr. stinks and he's not going to play. I, I've been viewing it as Christian Brown's just a better option against that zone because mm-hmm. he's a better cutter. He knows when to cut. Like it's, it's, athletic, it's a, yeah. right, you know, it's a little bit better part of his game. I, I think that's the dynamic there. And so I do wonder if that is going to, uh, that like, put it this way. Those who have access like DraftKings, you know what I mean? Where yeah. they have the live player props. If, let me see, is he? Is he so that, like, that's a perfect example. Like me so and he, you can sit here and talk about this all we want, debate it all we want. If you're in a jurisdiction where you have access to the live player props, this is one you let you you let play out in front of you. Man. Like, see it. See it, and get, if you get in at a worse number, 
it's fine. But at least you know Porter's going to be playing for the bulk of the game. How, so they have I have I have them listed Christian Brown in terms of three pointers, but there's nothing in the point prop category, which kind of stinks. Um, because what I was going to say, <laughs> I, I think they're thinking like we are. <laughs> they well, don't know well, how much he's going to play. <laughs> look, if I it, what I was going to say was what you want to do is in like the second you start seeing Miami play zone, I think I would start to look at like a live player prop on Christian Brown over his points because I would assume you're going to see Christian Brown on the floor then pretty quickly. And like we said, Brown is really great at cutting and finding those lanes against that zone. That's how you're going to beat it. It's three point shooting. It's cutting. It's all that he fits better with that. So that was my thought is like, okay, maybe you don't play Brown now, but once you see they're going to zone and if you have access to the live player prop, boom, fire it up, see where it's at and play him over. Cause it might be another one where does he get, what did he have in game three, 16 points or whatever it was. I don't know if he's going to have 15 points uh, like he did in game three, but his point total prop shouldn't be too high. And it, it could be an instance for him. And also to your point, then playing a Michael Porter jr. Under in that case. But that was what I was going to think. Um, yeah, I, that's that's how I would play it. You know what I mean? If you had access to that stuff, that's that's exactly how I would play it. But I, and I know it, it might sound like me, me and you are talking a little bit in circles, but no, all those are correlated, right? It's it's the, okay, if Michael Jordan, Porter Jr. is playing less or they play, or Miami Heat play more zone, that means more Christian Brown. That means you got to look unders on Michael Porter Jr. I, that's, I mean, think about how the ending of that game played out. So if they if you get into a same same situation, and Miami Heat are throwing a lot of zone at them, then yeah, you're, it's Christian Brown a lot and in very little, if any, yep. of Michael Porter Jr. So the other, um, the sneaky player prop that I mentioned for Miami, do you know which player has gone over his point total prop each game for Miami in this series? Hmm. Hmm. Bam? No. No, he go under I mean, last game. I, I think he went under last game. I could, you know, that's, you know, it's funny. I threw 20, that out there without knowing. 22. No, no. What was this? He had 22. I think it was 20 and a half. So you're right. I think he went over that. So, okay. There's another player that has got a point total prop each time. Um, man, I should have, I should have researched that. That was a mistake. Um, hold on. Now I want to guess this. Okay. It's got to be Kyle Lowry. Good guess. Yep. Wow, Kyle Lowry. Right. Uh, his point total prop for today is set at eight and a half. Uh, and I have to say, like, so one of the things, and this is my thinking on this. Um, so Kyle Lowry, again, it's a low point total prop because he's coming off the bench. He's a role player. Uh, but we're talking about 11, 9, and 9. Uh, his point total prop hasn't been higher than 8.5. When you look at Lowry, so there's a couple of things. First off, if you've noticed, he's kind of been, whenever he goes in there, he's actually been pretty good at killing their drop coverage a bit. Like, he'll pull up from, like, the elbow area if he's given that space to, to hit some jumpers. He's actually scoring with some efficiency. Uh, not many attempts, but right now he's shooting 52% from the floor for the series. He's 6-12 from three-point range through yeah. three games. So he's quietly been really efficient on a small workload. So I think there's all of those factors, Kelly. I also think this is the one thing, and this ties into our, our beginning conversation with the total. The one thing we have not seen Miami do yet is run. We still haven't seen it. And you know who's really good at leading the charge and transition is Kyle Lowry. Yep. And, and I just wonder if we're just, first off, like I said, building the case with just what he's done already. But if this is going to start to be when Lowry's out there, let's start picking up the pace. Let's start getting more possessions out of this thing. Let's see if we can test one of the worst transition defenses in the NBA. Again, I'm just really surprised they haven't tried this. I wonder if we're going to see it here in this game. But I also think that leads to an increased workload for Lowry. But I thought that was one worth looking at because he's still sitting at eight and a half with his point total props. And at the very least, you know, to your point, I wonder if your, your about, favorite, your new favorite about, props 
Let's How about see. 12 and a half on his points and assists? Because I almost because I view that yeah. as I view that as a lot of the times when they're out, look, he's usually leading the charge with that second unit. And you're right. They like they've done like a pretty good job in the past with him leading that second unit and them getting out and running. And a lot of the times it's a lot of times it's him facilitating, right? It's him knowing how to run a fast break offense. Um, so yeah, I would, I think I would go there that way, but I think there's something to that. I like that one. Yep. And, and look, he's the one thing, you know, for sure. Like my, my concern with betting a prop like this in the past, in past series would be, I'm unsure if he's going to play this many minutes. I'm not sure. I'm, I, I know for sure now how this series has played out. Kyle Lowry's going to get a, He's going to get his minutes. And he's he was up to 30 last game, 20, 26 in game one, 24 uh, in game two, played 30 minutes in game three. I think when you're talking about this type of situation for the Miami Heat, they're going to lean heavily on the veterans that they have. Um, and he, he's a guy. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to that, JVT. I, I think that's a good one. Yeah. That was the um, that was a that was the only one that was the only one I had left. The only uh, other one. What do you goal. think about like what do you think they're gonna do with um, with Kevin Love tonight? Like that was I thought it was interesting that they started him again last game, but then he barely played. Right? Like what was his minutes? Uh, um, let's see, I got fifth, this, I sixteen minutes. Yeah, is what he ended up playing that game and. I don't know, man. I think they need his size, but it's like his, I don't know, his three-point shooting. It's like over, the problem one, is, over one and a half. That's the problem. I was it's, a double edge, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because you need the size to go out there, but he's also not that dynamic of a rebounder. Like, he's not getting gritty. You know, like, like when Aaron Gordon had like four Miami Heat players draped all over him and he still grabbed like two offensive rebounds yeah. in that one sequence, you know, you're not getting that from Kevin Love. And so, like, is he really helping you out rebounding-wise? It does allow you to bump Jimmy Butler down to Jamal Murray. But again, like you're still kind of getting pounded. And the flip side is if they're going to try this whole pace thing that I, I wonder if they're going to, well, that doesn't mean Kevin Love's out on the floor. That means you're going yeah. elsewhere. You're going a little bit smaller and you're trying to run. I, I would tend to maybe look under on him because even if he starts again, I think you're still, I think you're pulling the plug pretty quickly if he's not going to hit shots. Cause that's the other so, thing too. I mean, what so, did he do in the game? He had uh, He wasn't bad. He was two for five from the field. Everything he shot, everything he shot was from three. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna push that a step forward, Nick. I think this is an interesting conversation. Is was that a tell in in game three of what Miami might is going to fully commit to here in game four, where they trotted him out there in the starting lineup, but then he barely plays, right? He played or he plays 16 minutes, and you look down further down that bench, oh, there's that guy again, Caleb Martin with 32 minutes off the bench. You know, is it is it time again to start look back, back to start looking at Caleb Martin overs? Yeah, I mean, he, most of his points came in that flurry in the second quarter. Yeah, right. I think he did. He hit consecutive threes and then had another bucket. Did he score like I think eight in like a? He had scored yeah, like eight straight J. for Cole. them. Yeah, yeah, he scored eight straight for him at one point. <laughs> and then the shot, the, then the shots weren't there. I mean, I think so. That's the problem with betting some Nine of these heat player props. Is like with with Denver. You know what the rotation is right. outside of the Christian Brown, Michael Porter Jr. dynamic. You know who's going to get in the game because they're set. They know what the rotations are. They know what they want to do. With Miami, Spolstra's, you don't want to say grasping at straws because that indicates that he doesn't know what he's doing. But at every turn, he's trying to throw something at the wall and saying, all right, let's see if this sticks. Let's see if this sticks. Yeah. And like in that last game, you could tell they were trying to go a little bit smaller. They had of the guys that played, let's see, of the guys that played at least 24 minutes, all of them but one were shorter than six seven. <laughs> like, and that was Bam out of bio. Like, so I think that probably leads to more Caleb Martin 
Because again, yeah. if you're going to play quicker, so I, I think that's probably the way that you nine would go. and a half points on him. I damn, yeah. man, I don't know, man. We're coming up with some things here that I might end up betting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, I think that's a. I, I just I think that was a little bit of a tell. I think yep. that might have been a tell from game three that you see they see them sell out more on game four. Um, I think what you were saying, I want to hit on real quick. It's not it's not Spo grasping at straws. This is how this Miami Heat team has gotten it done all all regular yes. season and all playoffs. It's ride the hot hands. Who's playing well this game? We're going to give those guys the minutes. It, it's it not that it it it, it doesn't look like it's going to end up really being a storyline in this series. But there was the argument I kept making for Tyler Hero, where it's it's an interesting position of having Tyler Hero because. I don't think there's no conversation with a guy like that about rushing him back or anything because you can always bring him off the bench and you only need to play him if your other guys are struggling. You know what I mean? Like it's it's almost a no-lose situation for when Miami decides that he can go, but he, he's only going to be ready when he's ready, obviously. Yeah, the hand swelled up, so doesn't sound like he's coming back for the series. Yeah, we'll see if that's, so it, that's even going to happen. Uh, all right, Kelly. Well, I'm up against it. I got to go do something. A, a, a hit. I'm a famous guy. Yeah, you I got to go talk to our friends out in Denver, actually. Uh, talk a little money. bit about Nuggets uh, Nuggets basketball. Uh, anything well, before good. we get out of here? Any other you notes? Can, you can talk to those guys about live player props because yeah, I'll right. have those to bed. Yeah, well, like, I'll ask them for sure. I'll do the thing where you're interviewing somebody, but then I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which sometimes it works. Sometimes it's like stay in your lane, buddy. It's, uh, it is so, it is understand so true. the dynamic. Depending on the person and depending on the show, that either works so well or so bad, and there's no in between. <laughs> yes, yes, very true, very true. Uh, all right, uh, like, rate, review, subscribe. Make sure you check out everything we have to offer up on the website. Uh, a new podcast from Daniel Alvari about the W. There is a new um, there's a new episode up now. So you can check that out as the WNBA season is well underway. And also, of course. Stanley Cup breakdown from our guys, Danny and Andy, on the NHL betting podcast, or the hockey betting podcast, and Adam Burke over there doing everything in Major League Baseball and more. Oh, can't forget first strike, too, and Boom. long shots. Huh? That's right. That's everything. right. Everything we have to offer, vsin.com. Like, rate, review, subscribe for this one, and we will talk to you on Monday in what I hope will be a conversation about the Denver Nuggets looking to close the series out in the next matchup. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.